In 2018, I joined an MLM. Yep, I did. I actually really liked it. And all of my recollection from it was, for the most part, really positive. I learned a lot in that year. And one of the things that I learned about was how to develop mental habits that I could use every day to have a healthier mind and body. I didn't know at the time that I was going to be learning something that was going to help my physical health and my mental health. I figured a lot of MLMs focus on helping you increase revenue and get a life that you can control and a life that you own in many ways and have ownership over. And what I didn't expect was that they also were going to help me have ownership over my thoughts, my attitude, and my behavior in a more natural and honestly more life-giving way than I ever had before. In 2018, I'd already graduated from college, been a part of several leadership initiatives where I was either leading other leaders or growing personally. I did a lot of personal growth as well as practical things like counseling and just getting skills that I could use in my day-to-day life. But one thing I learned beat all of them, and it was John Maxwell's Rule of Five. If you have never heard of John Maxwell's Rule of Five, I am so excited to share it with you today. Honestly, his Rule of Five is something that I still use today. I mean, that's how useful it is. And it is something that I can look back on my life and see that there was a significant shift when I started implementing it and understanding what it practically meant for my life. It took a huge weight off of my shoulders of all these shoulds and oughts and constant feelings that I was not doing enough. And it really gave me a lot more clarity on how I wanted to spend my time and where I didn't need to. That was so helpful in helping calm my nervous system, give me focus, and ultimately let my gut just calm down a little as it was responding to everything else going on inside my body. Are you ready to learn this fantastic secret I found? Let's get going. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel healthy and vibrant again by finding the root cause of our gut health problems. My name's Allison Jordan, marathon runner, functional medicine practitioner, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of the Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're gonna go beyond popping a probiotic and checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for life. If you're ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. To start off this episode, I want to say that all of the information we'll be sharing today will be in links in our show notes. There's books and podcasts and different resources where you can dive in deeper to some more of what we share about John Maxwell and other leadership skills that you can develop to help your body and your mind 
to be calmer and healthier. So without further ado, let us start. John Maxwell's rule of five is a rule that he says that he does five things every day. And these five things are not the majority of his day necessarily. They are not this big, immense task that he does. But what it is, is his commitment to, for at least five minutes or 10 minutes, sit down and do these five things. John Maxwell's five things are these. Number one, reading. Two, thinking. Three, filing, which is filing good materials. Four, asking good questions. And five, writing. If you know anything about John Maxwell, he is a leadership guru, and he was one of the people who first started realizing that leadership could be taught. Leadership could be even crystallized into teaching material, and he started doing that in 1979 with the release of his first book. The whole purpose of John Maxwell's Rule of Five is that he knows that of everything he does in the day, whether that's brushing his teeth or hugging his wife or showing up at the office, he has five leading principles that are getting him to where he wants to go. He knows that his passion and ultimately his vision is to create leaders in the world. And so one of the ways that he's doing that is through creating content and material to teach others. That for him requires reading and taking in new information, thinking and processing what he's hearing and learning filing his material. He actually talks extensively in a lot of the teachings that I've heard from him on podcasts about how he would file everything from like a magazine article he had written before the internet. He would just cut it out and he would have this big file where he would put in different folders, maybe a folder on love, a folder on respect, a folder on grow personal growth. And he would file everything by topic. So he spent time intentionally and said, I want to file good material. And that was before he could take a snapshot on his phone or save a link um, and then put it into a Google Drive. And now we have all these amazing ways that we can organize and file information. And he had realized that was one of the most important things he could do. I think that is a super interesting thing and something to dig more into, but we will do that in just a moment. The other thing that he did, he said he asked good questions. If you listen to other things that he did in his life, and he's a very successful man. He apparently, according to Google, is worth $10 million in net worth. Um, he's started multiple companies, both for-profits and non-for-profits. He has teach, taught, and brought up leaders internationally in multiple countries, including developing countries and first world leading countries of our of our global economy. He has taught leaders in all these different areas and could easily be a very busy man that is too busy to do anything that is, he could easily get sidetracked. But the truth is, is that he knows what his five things are. A couple things that the rule of five is not. It does not mean running a marathon every day. That is so important. I know sometimes personally, I have felt in the past that well, maybe today I didn't do anything amazing. Basically today I didn't run a marathon or give a presentation or get a raise or um, have an amazing, I don't have kids, but like for people, if you're listening, if you have kids, maybe it's not an amazing parenting breakthrough, but you are doing something that is progressing you towards your goals. And everybody has different goals. When we don't progress towards our goals, that adds a lot of tension into our body, into our mind disappointment, frustration. It can make us angry. 
because anger is an emotion of barriers where we're experiencing barriers to what our goal is. So we can be angry at racial injustice because it's a barrier to our ideal and our goal of equality. And we can be angry at somebody who cuts us off in traffic because they're ruining our goal of maybe a peaceful commute or a safe commute or a quick commute because they have interjected. So creating these five steps for me were, first off, I had never considered creating a five thing, just like a simplified summary of what are the five most important things I could do every day, even if it wasn't this amazing marathon thing or this Instagrammable moment where (laughs) I look amazing or I'm winning some award, right? But really the rule of five is about prepping for your marathon. You are going to have days where you accept an award or you get a promotion or you have that parenting breakthrough, but usually it's only because you have been prepping every single day. When we see people at the Olympics and they do the fastest time ever and they create a new global record for maybe the 400 meter dash or whatever it is, we see that it lasts just a minute or or an hour however long their race is. And it it seems so fast to us. How could they possibly be that fast? But for them, it's taken 21, 25 years for them to get there where they've made regular sacrifices and intentionally known, I'm doing this. I'm saying no or yes to this for my goal. And that's really what the rule of five means. It's taking the pressure of doing something big every day off of our shoulders and giving us practical checklist of steps to focus on when sometimes we might forget or not know what to focus on. If you are a business owner, I also suggest and check out the link in the notes. There's a link for John Maxwell's company and their rule of five and what they aim as a company to do every day. And I think that's another thing that can be really helpful if you are running a business. And I know a lot of you who are listening are business owners. And if anything, even family owners, You, if you run a family, is there five things you want for your family every day? Uh, Could be something really beautiful to make that you can share with your spouse, your partner, and your employees. So I'm going to share with you my, my rule of five every day. And as you're listening, I want you to be thinking about what your rule of five will be. And we're going to have action steps at the end. So, all right, mine real quick are I read every day, I rest. I pray, I listen, and I connect. All right, let's dive into these. So reading exactly what John Maxwell has. I keep a book on my phone and perform an ebook. I keep a book by my couch. I keep no book by my bed because my bed is a place of rest and I want to associate my bed with sleeping. That helps me keep my sleep patterns really solid. But I'm currently reading a book called Drop the Ball by Tiffany Dufu. She's an amazing woman entrepreneur. She has been in business for a long time doing especially nonprofit work to advance women in sub-Saharan Africa. I'm also reading a biography called A Chance to Die, which is telling the story of Amy Carmichael, who is one of the first people to ever fight child sex slavery in India. That is by Elizabeth Elliot. And then my first piece of fiction I have read in a while, it is called The City of Brass. It's an award-winning fantasy book. I heard it was good. A friend recommended it to me, and I just started it, and I am so excited to dive into that. But One of the benefits and one of the key things I'm trying to dial into with reading is that I'm always putting new information in my mind, especially if we go look back at 2018 and I was still 
I mean, my gut health was on the upswing, but it really wasn't perfect. And I was still kind of a ball of anxious mess in some ways. And I was really trying to find a way to improve that area of my life and of my mental health. And I found that when I read daily, I was taking in someone else's voice and thoughts and I was putting it in my brain. I was taking out my anxious thoughts. I was taking out my condemning and judging and just like, I was a very told you guys once, I've told you a million times, I'm an Enneagram one. So I'm constantly have this inner critic going on that's saying I'm not doing enough. And instead of letting that tape recording win in my brain, I wanted somebody else's tape recording. There were a few books that were particularly impactful to me that year. They include the book Enthusiasm Makes the Difference by Norman Vincent Peale. This book is about how enthusiasm is a secret ingredient to overcoming fears sharpen your mind, make your job more rewarding, calm your tensions, build self-confidence, and kindle the power of motivation that makes things happen. That is from the back of his book, but it's such a appropriate description. I remember when I found the book, I would have literally never read it before, except for that spring when I found it, I had made a roles and goals sheet, which is something I use to outline what my goals were for that next season and what my roles were in my life whether it's like a, I think I was a roommate then, I wasn't married, I was a roommate and a employee or a business owner because I just started my business. Um, And so making sure I had focus in building into those goals. And my word of that spring was enthusiasm. And I remember not even being particularly pleased with that word because I was not historically an enthusiastic person. You might literally find that incredible if you have been listening to this podcast for a while because I literally have changed so much since 2018 that I am way more enthusiastic and it's genuine. It's not living somebody else's, I don't know, highs and then going and crying in a corner or just being like angry and sullen. I'm actually living out more of who I wanted to be but didn't know how to have access to And that book was just really, really practical. He has incredible stories of business people he worked with to help them harness enthusiasm in their life or help them help their employees harness enthusiasm in their lives. And it was just such an incredible book. I also suggest the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It's a book about giving yourself permission to focus on your zone of genius and create a thriving life. It's by Gay Hendricks, and he's a PhD in psychology, and he was working, I think, at Harvard when he wrote this, and he realized that he categorizes four zones that you can live in, a zone of incompetence, competence, excellence, and genius. And he equates those areas to a couple different things, both like burnout, like if you're in an area of competence and incompetence, you have a higher likelihood of burning out. Uh, in your life or in your roles or your job. Uh, He correlates having a lower revenue with, or even a lower salary with areas of competence or incompetence because you're just average or below average at that point. And he says, if you find that you have areas where you're excellent, um, your areas of excellence, you're typically getting paid more, you're enjoying your role more, um, you're really feeling fulfilled um, no matter what you're doing. And so it's not always correlated to payment. Like if you're a mother or you're volunteering somewhere you're passionate about, you know that your excellence is being lived out when you're executing these certain skills, whether it's admin or creativity or um, people managing or HR, all these different stuff. And then, but lastly, your zone of genius. And he's like, that is your top tier area. That's where your goal is. And that was a really great book for me to read. And just to get, start to get a vision of like, what 
do I think my role of genius is and or my zone of genius is and how can I keep moving forward? So, so important. I also read the book, The Rest of God, and it's about Sabbath and resting and our culture that just keeps going. Uh, really, this is so important for our health and our gut health. It's so hard to rest in this culture that constantly says you're not enough, you need to be more. And I had this internal drive that literally could not turn off in this constant sense that I was not doing enough. That was honestly super detrimental to my mind and my body. And that book was really helpful in me digesting and understanding how to not live by the world standards of just being amazing all the time or constantly, I don't know, trying to run the equivalent of a marathon every day. Uh, And then lastly, the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. I didn't read that in 2018. I read a different habits book, but since then I have preferred this as my go-to habits book. It is a habit building in a gentle, beautiful way is the best I can say. I literally think most people, if you hear Um, like someone recommend a book on habit building, you might like want to throw up, but really it is, oh my God, he hacks why habit building is so hard. So you literally feel so validated when you're like, yeah, it's hard to follow through on maybe your new year's resolutions or yeah, it's really hard to change eating habits or exercise habits. And he literally breaks it down why, and then he gives you some practical steps of how to support those those changes. And those are literally things that I go through with my clients when they're like, I'm so scared to make lifestyle changes. I'm like, oh, but it's going to be so good and so life-giving and done in a really sustainable way. One of my favorite things. And I totally utilize this book all the time. So that's reading. That's just one area. And practically, I read for anywhere between five to 15 minutes a day minimum. And I, like I said, I'm reading on my phone, maybe while I'm waiting in line for something or I'm picking up groceries or I read when I come home and it's between I'm waiting for food to cook in the oven or right before bed when I am winding down, but I'm on my couch, not in my bed. (laughs) So that is something I strongly recommend you consider. It might be something you want to add to your life. Another thing I said I do is I rest. Five minutes a day minimum, I lay on the ground, I rest between work activities. I might step outside and go for a walk, um, do stretching, breathing, slowing down. Um, When I lay on the ground, and that's one of my favorite things to do, I love, so I started doing that in college. And one thing I found it helped me to do was to reconnect with my body. Sometimes I would just get so stuck in my head of all these things that were due and I needed to organize this and and respond to so-and-so and these lists and these oughts and just kind of overwhelming. And I started when I was in college, I would feel the worst and the most anxious when I was writing papers for my English essays. And I would go into the library stacks and I would lay on the ground in some far off library stack And I would just feel gravity and how the floor would push against my body and support my foot and my leg and my hip and my hand and my shoulder and my neck and my back. Just feeling how I was supported and it helped me come back into my body and feel more mindful. I know mindfulness is a really big word and really big topic these days. And that is something that I totally found that this method of rest. It's not a nap. It's not um, something that I actually talk about in my book, Stop Stomach Pain, but it is a unique quality of rest and it can be achieved through five minutes. I'm telling you, if you lay on the ground, set a timer for five minutes and don't look at your phone, don't play music, 
you might be astonished how long five minutes last. It's It's been a time hack for me for sure and totally helps my mind be able to feel more organized and calm and clear once I get up and return to my activities. Then the other thing that I do is pray. And if you listened to two episodes ago and you've been kind of listening at all, a lot of my episodes, I talk about how spirituality is, is a filter I'm always thinking about when I'm thinking about my health and how is my spirituality and my concept of spiritual truth or my concept of identity and where the place of suffering in this world, all these different things, how does that impact how I see the world and what is God's impact on the world and related to me? And so I'm praying in the morning, like when I'm in the shower and I, while I'm driving and um, depending on the day, I am able to get in a few more minutes of like dedicated prayer, perhaps in my house before I start work on my computer or at lunchtime. It's really something that has been helped me realize like, I'm not doing this on my own. I strongly believe that as a Christian, that there is a very omnipresent, all present, all knowing, all compassionate, all powerful God who cares and is aware of me. And that, um, that it, it's one of my honors that I can actually tap into that. Just like phoning a friend and texting a friend, I'm able to also connect in that way. And, uh, it is what it is, but it's one of my five. Uh, my fourth is listening. So we have talked, I've mentioned in a few different podcasts, including our last episode on gratitude, that this concept that words change your brain, that is a book actually written by another PhD psychologist. There's actually two people who wrote that book and they wrote it and it's looking at all this research that they did or that they found and that they did meta-analysis where they do all these compare and contrast, trying to figure out what's the role of our brain and how do words change it. And they talk about all these different techniques you can use to communicate with others to help your words that you're speaking change their brain, whether that's usually calming them down or having more productive conflict resolution rather than maybe yelling or having raised voices. But he also talks about how the words that we hear change our brain. So the words that are said to us by our teacher and our parents and maybe um, Sunday school teachers and neighbors and the other kids at school, those words that we might cognizantly realize like that's mean or um, not be fond of it or feel like it's not true. But he basically digs into the idea that if you hear something frequently enough, that changes your brain. And it doesn't matter how logical or illogical it is. If someone says you're stupid or you're ugly or all these negative things, you believe that. And then you literally re-vomit it inside of yourself, which honestly, I had no awareness of my internal critic and internal voices until late high school, early college. And I even thought I had a grip on them in 2018. And it turned out I didn't. <laughs> it turned out there were a lot more voices sneaking past me and getting away with really malicious lies and really malicious thoughts um, that were dragging me down. And so when I realized that in 2018, I said, gosh, what's the one of the best ways I can replace this tape recorder of all my negative thoughts? Well, I can listen to somebody else's thoughts. So the main way I did that was via podcasts and audiobooks. The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, which I already mentioned, I listened on audiobook that year. But some of my top podcasts that I listen to is the John Maxwell podcast. 
He has a couple different podcasts, um, but I like the leadership podcast. I really like Graham Cook's Brilliant TV or Brilliant Perspectives podcast. Really good information there. The Biz Chicks podcast on that show, Natalie Ekdahl, the creator, talks about a lot of mindset problems. It's not every episode. She does talk a lot of business things on there. So if you're a business owner, check her out. But she also talks about really relevant things that are important for literally anyone on that podcast, such as imposter syndrome and money mindset and scarcity mindset and how to reset your mindset. She has a book called Reset Your Mindset, which you can go on to, online to Amazon and buy. And I've read it. It's a good book. So that'd be another book you could read. But as far as listening, her podcast is great. And then the She podcast, these will all be in the show notes. She podcast is written by a woman or developed by a woman who's run for profits and nonprofits. And she just does really good work um, with mindset and belief and speaking belief over you on her podcast, which is just awesome. So I would listen to these podcasts every time I drove in the car, every time I was in the shower. So car and shower is big again. Anytime I was maybe folding laundry, anytime I did, was doing something and I wasn't having to listen to someone else. I was trying to put someone else's voice in my head because I realized I had just had a really mean tape recorder going on. If you want to hear more about the science of mindset, I talk about it on podcast episode 417 on the Biz Chicks podcast, and that link will be in the show notes as well. And lastly, the last thing that I do is connect. Connecting is so important. And to me, it's everything from connecting with a team member and giving them a phone call or a client or texting a friend in the morning and encouragement or telling them I'm thinking of them and praying for them. I basically try to have one meaningful interaction a day. It does two things for me. One, it keeps me vision driven. I'm very driven by connecting with other people's needs and connecting with other people's wins. I very much find that my role is to be a supporter. And that's very convenient being that as a functional medicine health coach, that's my goal is to basically pour all of my attention onto somebody else's health and to identify vital voids using both my biological and medical knowledge, as well as my psychological and kind of practical day-to-day -day knowledge as I'm kind of seeing someone as the whole person. And then the second thing that connecting does for me is it helps me me be cared for because literally sometimes I'm texting someone because I'm like, hey, I'm discouraged today. I like to send something, use an app called Marco Polo. And uh, that is like this video messaging app. It's like voicemail that but has video. And I love doing that and just asking for advice or support or telling someone I'm having a rough day. And that keeps me cared for and when otherwise it'd be so easy to just pretend I am perfect and doing fine. And honestly, it'd be easy for me to just kind of forget to ask for help. So those are my five things I do every day. And in 2018, I did all of those except for my number five was different. But um, this one is what I wanted to share with y'all. To take away from this episode, here is what you can do. Number one, write out your top five. That might need a little brainstorm session. That'd be something great that you can do in the morning before you start your chores and taking care of your kids. That's at least my favorite time to do my processing is around 6 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. before the day starts. After you write out your top five, number two, ask yourself, 
are you doing each of these every day already? I usually find and found myself that, well, first off, I didn't have a top five and I definitely wasn't doing, I think, any of those when I developed my top five. I developed my top five because I was learning about self-leadership and I had no idea that reading every day and listening to something every day, for example, was really key. I think I would have been praying every day at that point, but it makes so much sense. And I saw so much benefit for me really resetting my mind, reshaping my mind, creating new neural pathways and getting in some different voices other than the ones I was thinking. Once you have identified which ones you are not doing, make a plan for when and where you will do it each day. As I shared with I think all of these, I had a place where I kept my book or where I laid on the ground or what time of day I did it, um, when I listened to a podcast or when I connected with someone. It might have been in the morning. It might have been on while driving, in the shower. I had different places on the couch um, or while waiting in line, but I had a concept and have a concept of when and where. When you have told yourself when and where you're going to do a task, it makes it so much easier. You can also then create calendar events or reminders on your phone or any of your scheduling devices, whether that's paper or electronic, to remind you to do those things until they do become a habit. Until when I hop in the car, I already heard a few episodes of a podcast that I can just turn on and listen to. And lastly, celebrate this amazing clarity you now have of Five things that are going to draw you closer to your goals and where you want to be in life as a parent, as a wife, as a um, in your career, in your community, and celebrate that you have a plan of how to execute those things. And it is not about being perfect and not missing any day, but really just coming back and knowing that you have a plan and you are going to work your plan. Lastly, know that your rule of five can change. I already shared that my last of my rule of five, my connect, is different than what it was in 2018. And John Maxwell says that he has changed his rule of five multiple times over the decades. And I think that is true. If you are writing it down and you're not even sure if that's your rule of five, try those five for a little while and see if you find something else that you're like, actually, this is going to get me closer to my goal. Another thing you can do is process your goals, which that would be a whole nother podcast episode for itself. But you can, if anything, just process some of your key roles in your life and where you want to shine and grow the most, who you want to become. If this episode was helpful for you, it would mean the world to me for you to leave a rating and review. That is a great way for other people just like you to find this podcast and to find these amazing tidbits for their gut and for their health. If you love this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you can get every episode that releases and take a screenshot and share it with a friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I am a gut health therapist that they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. So send that friend a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Other ways you can stay in the conversation is by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Better Belly Therapies. We love connecting with our listeners and it means so much if you drop by and share some of your favorite parts from this podcast. And remember, as you go on to conquer the world, miracles are immediate, but true healing takes time.